0: All right, welcome to episode two of the Creative Percussion Podcast. Today, my guest is Joe. You're going to have to tell me your last name. It's Beninati been a naughty easy enough all right so with this being the creative percussion podcast of course i want to focus questions on creative percussion but i also want to get to know joe and whoever my guests are uh in the present future past whatever but the first question i like to ask is what is your and i know you have a plethora right now because i see your videos on instagram (laughs) but what is your favorite uh, creative percussion product?
1: Oh, man. I, well, you know, I always talk to Kevin about creating different things with what he already has and stacking different things. So I have um, two of the dark bells that he did. I'm actually staring at right now. Two of the dark bells with the triangle um, jingle on the bottom. And on top, I have the hub, the hex hub, to get this – Really cool clap sound. So yeah. it's, you know, so I have that in my last couple of videos, so I'm sure you've probably seen that up front and center. But um, I've been really enjoying that. But other than that, I mean, as far as the classic stuff, I'm loving, like, my, my five-inch X-Stack, um, which is awesome for, like, extra hi-hat sounds.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so you don't know this yet, but I was telling uh, Kevin that you were the person who introduced me to Creative Percussion. Oh, really? So, thank you for that. Yeah, all your videos and everything um, introduced me to creative percussion, so I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I'm glad,
1: I'm glad.
0: So, what is one thing when you began your career as a drummer, what is one thing that you wish you had known then that you know now?
1: Um... Well, I started really young, so I, I was in New York City actually playing for, for about 15 years, and I was sticking to one band at a time and doing that kind of like monogamous monogamous playing thing, mm-hmm. and then I moved out of New York and moved up to Maine and started playing with a bunch of different groups, and I started realizing that um, I was very much stuck in one genre when I was playing uh, with one band at a time, but as I expanded into different bands at one time, then it mm-hmm. each... Each project kind of helped me play better for the other one because I'd have a Latin thing going on here, a jazz thing here, a rock thing there. And then all those different influences would kind of start dropping into each of the different bands. So um, I guess the biggest thing I learned was um, to not limit myself and to just keep expanding with all the different genres and different ways of playing.
0: I like that, yeah. I'm I'm the type of person, I play a bunch of different genres as well. And... I wish that I had listened to more music growing up so that I was influenced by more drummers Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that just uh, you know now 16 years into it I'm like man I wish I would have listened to you know jazz earlier so what is what was your biggest failure as a drummer and what did you learn from it and what do you um, continue to take from that in, even today?
1: Um, I think as a failure. So I uh, uh, my second time going to college, because I went one time for just to get a regular uh, BA, so that I had a job outside of music. And then I decided when I got into a job that I didn't really love that I would go for music. So I ended up going to um, the school in the Bronx called Lehman and I ended up joining the community big band through the college. Mm-hmm. So it was me and a bunch of really seasoned players. So the thing is I would already been playing in New York for, for a few years and thought I knew everything. And then I came into this situation and I just got beat down <laughs> pretty hard. <laughs> and um, and it was the biggest failure in my life because I was, I mean, literally every cra- class I'd be really scared to just walk in that door. Mm-hmm. And um, But through that failure or what would be seen as failure in my mind was a huge success because I think that was the most growth I had in a year because I really had to then focus. I really had to learn how to read. I really had to learn how to communicate with a band of guys that were playing longer than, you know, I've been born three times over. Right. So, um, so I think that, that, that was probably the biggest failure, which ended up being sort of the biggest success too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think, Anytime you get put out of your comfort zone and you kind of have to struggle a little bit, it, uh, it just makes you a better player. So.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So you post videos like a madman. <laughs> yeah. I, I go through Instagram and it's like every third video I see you. <laughs> um, so that's been a resource for me as a drummer just to see some of the crazy things that you do. And it, it influences me. So, for you, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Not only playing drums but recording videos and music and everything like that?:
1: uh, Well, I think the biggest thing is um I always love the sound of electronic drums and um but I never liked pads. so i was when I first got to Instagram, I was on the hunt for companies that specialize in making products that I could. Throw on my drums and make them sound electric, mm-hmm. or that I can put something on my drum that will give my drum five different sounds. Because also coming from New York, I was used to having to carry the smallest set that I could go into these clubs, but I wanted the most amount of variety of sound. Right. So um, that's actually how I got in touch with Kevin. I started seeing stuff he was doing, and um, I think I actually started seeing. Um, what did I see? I saw Seth on there and. Chris putting on all sorts of crazy things with like the the changers and and everything on their toms and snares I'm like this is really interesting so mm-hmm. that's how I got into into with Kevin I kind of just dropped in an order just to try something see what I felt about it and uh and I just fell in love with the stuff you know like you know and then and then I actually had the treat of before COVID hit I got to meet Kevin and then go to his shop since I'm in Maine and he's right in north uh sorry New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So um, so I spent a day with him, just like in awe of all this this metal <laughs> that was around us, <laughs> and and all the sounds he was getting out of them. And uh, I think I came home with like a huge shopping bag of stuff too, and yeah. then came home and did another order too. So, it was, you know, I just I uh, it was it's just the endless possibilities. I mean, I, I feel like with Kevin, you can have a whole drum set, of just right. his stuff. You know, so
0: yeah, he was. We were talking about you know, who I wanted to have as guests and stuff like that, and I mentioned your name, and he said, yeah, Joe is the guy who every time he sees me post a video about something, he instantly will text me or something and say, hey, when can I get that? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think
1: it's always a competition. I think it's me and Seth are always (laughs) knocking at his door with this stuff.
0: So, a follow-up question to that. Um, What have you read recently, or Listened to recently, or even seen recently, that has inspired you?
1: Um. Well, I mean, it's a lot of other drummers that kind of that I try to emulate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many drummers out there that that make what I do seem like you know a kindergartner hitting some buckets. Like it's it's <laughs> it's amazing. Like uh, a couple guys, like Scott Scott Pellegrino is one of my favorites, and mm-hmm. I actually got to meet him and take a lesson with him and. And even with that one lesson, he helped me kind of look at the drums differently. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just looking at their posts and seeing what they're thinking—I mean, that's the one thing I do love about Instagram—is that you can actually meet drummers that you look up to, or at mm-hmm. least if you don't meet them, you can at least see from their posts their mindset when they approach something. You know, and, and someone like Scott Pelgrim, bro, I saw on—I um, think it was a Drumio video—was the first time I saw him. And um, he also got me into um, Dream Symbols a while back because he did a lot of the odd stuff that kind of was the gateway into getting to stuff like uh, creative percussion. Right. And um, yeah, just watching some of his videos, the amazing stuff he does with like, on Drumio, he did a, a drum solo with just, I think, a kick, a snare, and hats, And he was just on it, you know. And that's the stuff that influences me. It's not so much the, the chops thing, but it's more about how do you get creative with less. And um, so that that's kind of my influence. So every every time I sit at my set, I'm like, what can I take off? <laughs> you know. So um, so so he's a big big influence. And and again, seeing his videos, talking to him, even I think he's going to be coming out with a book somewhat soon. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so that's a huge thing. Um, and then going through some you know some of my friends post on on Instagram, just doing. Wilcox in books, you know, all the marching stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's another huge thing that I'm like, well I need to start getting better at my rudiments again. So let me start looking through those books again. You know, so it's it's kinda like um a lot of the reading I do is actually notation now as opposed to articles and stuff. You know, it's just like how do I take this rudiment and flip it upside down? You know, kinda like the Steve Gadd way of looking at dramas, you know. Right. So So that's 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 how I look at at learning drums and getting um, influences is, is by seeing the drummers that I love on Instagram or whatever and also trying to talk to just drummers about what they're working on and, and what's interesting them to kind of stretch out and create. So
0: so um, when did you start, pl- like what age did you start playing drums and who musically was your biggest influence and then who in your life was your biggest, not only biggest influence, but biggest, I guess, fan, biggest, um, the person who pushed you the most?
1: Um,
0: let me think. So I started when I was,
1: I started officially playing drums when I was, when I was 13, um, but I always wanted to play drums. I remember begging my, my parents for a drum set since like fifth grade. And so, so it was probably about four or five years until I got it. And um, when they started picking instruments in fifth grade, I remember I wanted to do drums, and my parents wanted me to do more of like a, a lead instrument, you know, like a, a horn instrument. So I, I played trumpet. And luckily for me, I got braces. So I was playing fairly well, and then I lost a full <laughs> octave and lost, you know, and got pushed back about five chairs in, in the section. I'm like, I think I need to play drums. So, yeah. so that kind of is how I started. And, and I've been playing that for, what, 30, 32 years? Oh well. Wow. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I mean, so and and as far as my influences, I mean, I think a lot of my, or my my biggest pushes are the, are a lot of the musicians I play with. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember um, when I played in New York and I was trying to start getting to jazz, and it, it was just like, just not happening. <laughs> and uh, right. a friend of mine was just like, you know, that's okay. You just have to be, the way you get better is being the worst in the project, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, because anyone else can just fly by, but if you're the one who's struggling, that means that you're, you're picking up as much as possible, so I, I think that um, a lot of the influences were a lot of the players that I played with, whether whether they the guitarist or the piano player, whoever it was, and also I had some really great drum teachers back then, too, so um, they had me just looking at the instrument from their perspective, so in taking lessons with different people, you get all these different perspectives on how to approach it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, um, I talked to James Ryan, and um, he was talking about um, one thing that that really helped him was being able to play dynamically. And you know, when you when you play different genres of music, that forces you to play dynamically. Mm-hmm. Or if you play acoustic shows, it forces you to play dynamically. So that kind of goes kind of with what you said as far as. You know, when you learn from other people, you learn other techniques, you learn other things to do, stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Um, what is one common myth about drumming that you want to debunk?
1: Um, I think the main thing, and I try to tell my students this all the time, too, is, well, there's a couple of them, but uh, the main one for me is that drums they are a melodic instrument and not just mm-hmm. a rhythmic instrument. And I think people sometimes forget about the tones in drumming, and they focus mm-hmm. so much on the beat or the chops or the things. But but I'm influenced by a lot of drummers like, you know, who are sound-conscious, like Scott McPulgram, mm-hmm. but also like um, Wes Love and, and Matt Chamberlain, who to me are just, they're all about the sound of the drums. They're not about the chops on them, but they're about how the sound reverberates through the songs, how they fit in the songs, and, um, and I think that's that's a myth I want to kind of debunk for a lot of drummers that you don't have to bash; you can you can be a melodic player on a drum set.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, so, kind of going with that too, because you mentioned all of your students that you teach. What? What advice would you give a new student, and what advice would you give someone who's not a student with you, just someone who says, look, I I need two minutes of your time. I'd like to know how to approach becoming a drummer, especially in this time now, because I know for myself, I went from playing 150 shows a year Mm -hmm. to now I'm just playing at church. Right. So, what's some advice, first off, that you give new students, every new student that you have, and what's some advice that you would just give somebody off the street?
1: Uh, well, okay. So, the first thing is, I mean, I, I know you mentioned I post a lot of videos, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I do that is is almost for selfish reasons, too, because to me, that allows me to see how I play, that allows me to see my posture, how, how I just present on the kit, mm-hmm. but it also allows me to hear things. So, um... All those those videos I'm doing I'm either I'm I'm doing with a click for the most part. And so right. so when I when I hear back that I'm off and I have to redo something, it kinda it, it just fine tunes everything I do. So to mm-hmm. me that's part of my daily practice is doing a video. So I'm like, okay, there's pressure on me now to sound good, but it's also I can go back and see where I made mistakes, you know, or yeah. where something may not be perfect or maybe because it's not perfect, it still sounds pretty good, you know? So mm-hmm. it's kind of learning those limitations of being a perfectionist versus, um, you know, being sloppy. So um, yeah. So that's one thing. The other thing is just like, I I, I know for myself, um, rudiments are huge, you know? And, mm-hmm. and the problem that I had with rudiments with some of my older teachers was that um, it was all snare drum stuff. So no one really explained to me that you could take, a paradiddle and move it around the drum kit and make cool patterns or make it into a drum beat. Or, you know, one of my favorite fills is, is a Swiss triplet between the cymbals and, and the snare. So it's it's one of those things where I feel like, um, you know, there's so many things that were taught the right way, you know, quote-unquote, but but um, to keep interest and the, to have someone want to keep moving forward with their instrument, you, you also have to make it something tasty for them to want to, like, dig their teeth into. And, and for me, it's like, here, I'm showing you a paradiddle on a snare drum, but check out what you can do with it later, and not show them a funk beat, or I'll show them, like, a tom beat or something. So rudiments are huge for me, you know, and, and they just kind of pop out through my playing naturally now. So.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I Whenever I get a new student, it's two weeks on a pad mm-hmm. because I've had so many students come through that just want to hit stuff, mm-hmm. one, Or their parents just want a babysitter. Right, right. So it's just like, okay, which one are you? Do you actually want to play drums, or are you just here to hit stuff because you think it looks cool? Right. So, yeah, that's, I I completely agree. I love um, using a six-stroke roll. Mm -hmm. Just so many different things you can do with so many different rudiments. And I'll give a shout-out to uh, the Mike and Eddie podcast. I don't know if you listen to Mm -hmm. them or not. They did an episode on Rudiments this past week. Oh, nice. And uh, it was really, yeah, it was a good episode. So this is the Creative Percussion Podcast, so I can't not shout Creative Percussion out. So what are, including Creative Percussion, what are um, your gear selections um, currently?
1: Well, I'm a uh, Reverie Drums artist. I love Reverie mm-hmm. Drums. Um, Sentin, which I think you have a shirt on right
0: I don't agree. <laughs> um,
1: yeah so I, I actually met um, Arthur through a couple people that I either met through creative percussion or showed them creative percussion <laughs> so um, so I, I just kind of I was uh, I had an endorsement with or I don't like to use the word endorsement but I, I was endorsing a symbol a company and, and it, it just wasn't a, a good fit for me anymore and then as I was mm-hmm. kind of inching out of that I met Arthur through these people and you know, it's kind of like one of those leap of faiths because you're like, I don't know what these sound like, I don't know what these feel like, but I'm going to order a whole set and see what see what I can do with right. that. And it just was not a disappointment at all. And it's it's also ha- I'm always happy to see that Arthur and Kevin work so closely together. So yeah, um, you know, when I saw I don't know if you saw that they did a, a symbol for Seth together. Mm-hmm. So so that one I was just like, okay, it's really cool when not only are you working with two companies, but two companies work together to makes it
0: cool here So right. Yeah, I get to uh, I get to meet both of them at the Music City drum show in August. Oh nice. They're gonna have their booth set up side by side so I, I get to meet both of them. I
1: know I'm trying to inch my way down there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, you kind of touched on this I think just a just a little bit, but um, what was the first thing that, um, what was the first thing that you got from creative percussion and how was that interaction for you? Because I know when you deal with smaller companies, a lot of times you never know what to expect, right. like when you contact Kevin or something like that. So what was your first interaction with Kevin like? And just to give the listeners... An idea of what they can expect when they go and order something from Creative Percussion.
1: Um, well, the first thing I, I got was actually um, I got two things. It was the hi hat shaker. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't the shaker. It was, it was actually the hi hat stack that goes up and down. Yeah. I forgot what he called it, but it's a it's a mini hack tech stack with I think four four pieces that you can that kind of sound like a shaker on the hi hat. So mm-hmm. I got that, and I also got the original. Um, jingles for the hi-hat, I remember. I remember those were the first two things I did. And it was because, and this isn't to obviously say anything bad about any other companies, but I just, every time I had a, like a jingle or something on my hi-hat and had it for the foot pedal, I just never heard it over anything else. So I saw videos of, of Kevin's stuff, and I was like, uh, I'll try this. You know, I don't know. And, and when I put on the hi-hat and I actually played with my foot, I was so shocked to hear how, that I could actually hear it over the drums. And that just made me so happy. So I'm like, all right, I got to talk to this guy and see what else is going on. And that was kind of my introduction to, to this. I think it was, it was those two products and then also the, um, the Changer for the snare drum. So And that was probably about two years ago now. So.
0: so if you could go back in time and give yourself advice when you first started drumming, knowing what you know now, um, I think we all have a different answer to this, but what would that, what would that advice be?
1: Um, as far as starting to play or playing with people or, or
0: just or, anything.
1: Um, I'd say a big thing, kind of like we said, is just to to be versatile in your playing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, learn your rudiments, learn everything, like just be a sponge to anything you can you can learn I mean anything from marching to to jazz to rock to hip-hop to Latin to you know anything world music I mean there's so much rhythm out there that um you know it's it's I feel like drums are just it's just one of those instruments that you'll you'll never lack for learning <laughs> you know right. it's like there's so much out there so so I'd say on one hand learn as much as you can but also take it step by step don't try to do everything at once because I've tried that too, and it doesn't yeah. work
0: too well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump into four bands at one time. Right, exactly. I've done that take, as well. Take things,
1: take things slow, just like practicing a rudiment. You want to practice it at forty beats per minute, and not right. start at one hundred and twenty. You know, so yeah. so I think that's that's just like a, a nice kind of metaphor for drumming itself. Is you want to take everything kind of slow and and really learn it, you know, from the inside out.
0: Mm-hmm. So what? Um, well, I've seen. I think I saw earlier today that you posted something about some music coming out that you played drums on. Yes. So um, what are some things that you have coming out, some new releases that you have coming out? Who are they with? You know, how did those things come about?
1: Um, so, so a cool thing is um, one of the ones that I actually posted about today, because I think I posted two today, and it just I was just lucky because the leaders of each of those projects kind of posted, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that they were coming out. So I'm like, great, I was just to But one of them is um, this interesting project that um, a friend of mine and I, um, we started talking about when I first moved up to Maine. Um, Mm -hmm. I reconnected with the bassist from that around that time. Um, We had played together about 10 years ago, and um, we reconnected somehow, and he's like, hey, I was just thinking about you. I'd love to play with you again. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. me too, but you're in New York and I'm in Maine now. He's like, oh, that's a problem. (laughs) So we're like, maybe we can do something online. And it just kind of worked out that he had a friend at, in uh, Amsterdam that actually wrote music. Mm-hmm. So then three of us started recording. And then an, at another point, I get another email from them like, oh, we're going to bring in a keyboardist that's from Israel. So we kind of put all this music together. And it was just really intricate, complex stuff that I've never I, I, even playing it at that time. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to make this work. Because yeah. they're, they're doing stuff in like nine, eight, they're doing stuff in uh, five and all these things but, but even odd phrases within those time signatures mm-hmm. um, what what we're releasing is called the saw series and what what the the main guy did was he had a bunch of saw like sawing yeah. um, uh, samples and he used that as the basis for the rhythms of his song for these I think there's six songs on it and so again so again it's just random rhythm so he he had to determine, if it's gonna be four, if it's gonna be nine, if it's gonna be in seven, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of heated the skeleton of it by playing guitar and singing over it, and then we all just kind of jumped in and put our flavor on it. So that's one thing I'm doing. That's that's actually just got released yesterday, and that's on Spotify and everything. And uh, um, I believe it's under Timo T I M O and the time the time zones. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's, um, but the, the series is called The Saw Series, and, and I have the link up also on there, you know. Um, and then another one, I'm working with a friend of mine, um, on a total flip side of, of music, we're doing um, meditative music. Mm-hmm. So um, so she um, does meditating, meditations verbally, and I put music to it. And, you know, it's kind of like a few years in the making, and we finally got to this point of, okay, now we can release this thing. So yeah. we're doing the final touches and then we're going to release it.
0: Well, that's awesome. So um, I think I have two more questions and then I'll get you out of here. Yeah, no
1: worries.
0: So, with this being, of course, the Creative Percussion Podcast, um, someone walks up to you on the street or messages you on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and says, hey, I really like the stuff that you're doing. I see all your gear on this. What is one thing from creative percussion that you would suggest I get? What would that be?
1: Ooh, boy. So it's funny because when people ask me things or when I get introduced to drummers and they see what, I'm like, you know, I pretty much have the whole catalog. So if you're ever interested in in something, let me know. I'll demo it for you. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, I think... For me, uh, the, the great things to start with are, like, the, uh, I think the hex stacks are always great, mm-hmm. you know, because you can get so many sounds. I mean, the smaller ones, you can kind of get, like, a really tight, small hi-hat sound. Right. Or if you hit them as backbeat, they, be, they sound like finger snap. Mm-hmm. The bigger ones, you know, they'll sound like, you know, really trashy, bigger hi-hat or, like, more of a clap sound. So, to me, I mean, that's something Kevin and I always talk about. It's, like, every product kind of has multi-purpose. Right. So, so you always feel like you're getting more for, for what you get, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think those are the things, the Hex stacks, and depending on what size you want to start with.
0: You know. Yeah, and that's something that I've noticed with the shakers. I have the, the white baseball shaker. Mm-hmm. And even just depending on how it's – and it's not like this with other shakers. Depending on how you hold it, even, you mm-hmm. can get a completely different sound. You can kind of grip it a little bit tighter, and you get a kind of more of a muffled sound, or you can grip it looser, like you're actually about to pitch a baseball, and right. you get you know more definition out of it. So that's, I, I just love all of this stuff that that he comes up with, and it's crazy to think about how he comes up with it. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the other beauty is that everything's magnetic. So, you right. know, with with his um, with his MFX stuff like the jingles and stuff, you just mm-hmm. some things. Or you know, right now I have uh, one of his dual mutes on the snare. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen those yet, and then I have. Just one day, we randomly, we were talking. And I was like, can I just get a chain to put across the snare? And yeah. so he just sent me a chain with, like, two magnets on the side, and now <laughs> they're on the hoops. And it's really cool because they make, like, a record scratching sound. If mm-hmm. I have the the um, snares off, I get, like, a nice bounce off of it. It's just all these little things, you know, and, and everything can kind of go on top of the other.
0: Right. Like I
1: said, with my favorite thing right now, the clap stack, I mean, it's literally two of his, his, his uh, dark bells, I guess dark bells, the triangle um, jingle upside down on the bottom, and then on top is, you know, the the chains from the hub. And together, that that unit makes this really cool, like, electronic clap sound.
0: Yeah. Know?
1: So, that's something we always talk about, though. is like, you know, I'm always like, hey, Kevin, how do I use it? It's like, you figure it out. <laughs> you, can, you can do anything with it. Like, you can put this on top of that if you want, yeah. or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, that's what I like about the hex stacks is when I, when I get a chance to use them, you know, I'll put two sevens on top of a nine, or I'll put two nines on top of a seven, you get so many different, you know, sounds, so many different combinations, and so, mm-hmm. that's just what, I mean, it, it really is, what the name says, it's creative percussion. Right. So, and, that's... And
1: I also, the other thing I do want to say about Kevin, too, which is amazing, is you can see something that he makes, and you can mm-hmm. be like, hey, I really like that, but what if we did this or what if we tried doing this or what if you added that to it yeah you would be like oh i'll try it you know and it's like next <laughs> thing you know it's the next product you know right. and that's that's what i love about him is that he really listens to the players and mm-hmm. really you know is really keeping an ear out to what's what people what sounds people are look, looking for pretty much
0: yeah and i mean with so many genres and subgenres of in music you never know what people are going to, you know, want or what people are going to come up with. I know he sent me a video when he was starting the popcorn drums, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, this could just be with anything. You could do, you know, R&B, or you could do, you know, you could do anything with it. You know, he was so yeah. excited about them.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's really hard for me to say what my favorite is when you ask me that, but yeah. I, I can tell you that the Hex is a place, a good place to start, but yeah, I mean, when you start start going deeper into it, I mean his gongs are amazing, mm-hmm. his symbols are amazing. Um, yeah, those the popcorn series is amazing. So so it's just a it's I'm just kinda picking out like the real you know, to me what, what I see is his core product. Right. But you know, as far as those hexes, but I mean everything else is just, just as amazing.
0: Yeah. So uh like I said, this will be the last thing, and I'll get you out of here. Um, where can people find you on all the social medias?
1: Um, uh, basically, I mean, the biggest one for me is uh, is Instagram. So you can look at just look me up as Joe Beninati. And mm-hmm. You can see me as a drummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a, a Facebook thing also, Joe Beninati Music, but um, you know, that one gets very little <laughs> action. <laughs> gets <I think>.
0: neglected. <laughs>
1: But, but yeah, so the, uh, the Instagram is definitely the place where I post everything, and, and kind of like the, the Facebook is kind of like, you know, the secondary dump, you know? Right, yeah. But, yeah.
0: That's kind of how mine has turned out, too, here recently, so.
1: Yeah. I yeah, understand it's, that completely. It's, it's everything, the whole media thing is changing, you know? It's, oh, it's yeah. It's it's like, you know, we're talking about doing videos, it's like, i gone from thinking that I had to do, like, 10-minute YouTube videos to, like, you know, one minute um, Instagram stuff and now it's like with the thirty second TikToks I'm like yeah. <laughs> you know, like people's attention spans are getting smaller and smaller, so it's like you have to be able to do everything within a measure to keep their interests,
0: you know. Yeah. So how does that, you know, you kinda kinda made me want to ask another question. How does that affect you as a content creator? Because I know, you know, like you said, you start out with ten minute YouTube videos and then you you kinda dwindle it down and you know, even this podcast and the other, uh, another podcast that I do, I try to be cognizant not only of my guest's time, but of the listener's time. Because like you said, people's attention spans are so small nowadays. You know, I try to keep podcasts between 30 and 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Kevin and I talked about, you know, that's kind of the sweet spot. So how, how do you go about editing yourself in a way so that you know somebody doesn't lose interest in what you're doing. Um, just the big thing I do, um, especially if I'm doing a cover
1: mm-hmm. online, um, I start right where the lyrics are. And I try to have the chorus in there. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's huge for me, because that's that's what keeps people's attention. Right. Um when I do my own loops and things like that, I try to start dynamically. So it's almost like, you know, a a bell curve of sound you know it's like so i start slow and, and quieter and then kind of build it up and then kind of drop it off it's kind of like you know i feel like it's it's kind of like uh when you're a teacher and 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 you're taught to if you want children to listen you, you speak quieter instead yeah. of louder yeah. <laughs> so so i feel like if i start off like just a little bit softer and then kind of build up it's kind of like oh okay something's coming as opposed right. to like oh here it all is in that first second you know yeah that's kind of my, my approach is just kind of that, the dynamics and, and getting, going right into something that's familiar familiar sounding if it's like <laughs> a cover. And if, again, if it's not a cover, if it's a loop or something, you know, just, I, I, I just feel like people, I feel like there is a, a, a like a, a, a listener out there that loves like gospel jobs and stuff <laughs> like that, like all the crazy drumming, but I think there's even a greater... Um, well of drummers that just want to hear good groove yeah, and not see that you know? so, yeah. so I think that's what I try to do too I don't start off explosive I'm always keeping it kind of simple you
0: know? and I think sometimes that discourages people when they see stuff that they can't do somebody doing something they can't do and they're like yeah, oh man I kind of want to put my sticks down but at the same time some people it pushes them to, to go you know you know what, I really want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Well, yeah. hey, you know, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being on the second episode of the Creative Percussion Podcast. And so until next time, um go visit creativepercussion.net, go check out a hex stack, and be on the lookout for the giveaway that I'm mentioning in episode one of a nine-inch hex stack listen to episode one and see how you can win that giveaway and until next time